0: Someone finds your show in Apple Podcasts, and there's that giant listen button that's just begging them to click on it, and because you decided to get a clip from the guest that you interviewed, the first thing they hear is something that sounds like this. Because, you know, that's what people do when they do interviews. So we've got some background noise. We've got lots of room reverb. And that is your first impression. Congratulations. Look, last weekend... I spoke in Nashville, Tennessee. I drove seven hours down and seven hours back, and I listened to a lot of podcasts. And yes, we have the question of the month today, but also we're going to spend some time talking about bad audio, how to avoid it, and what do you do with it when you get it. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005, I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is why I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. If you want to monetize it, we can do that too. It's all out at schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription, and I recently kind of completed a little mini road tour. I went to Podcast Movement Evolutions in Las Vegas, and then as soon as I got home, I turned right around and went to Rock and Pod in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, kudos to David Hooper, by the way. Bigpodcast.com is his website. He's the guy that let me know about Rock and Pod and got me involved with that, and In the process, I drove to Nashville. If you are within seven hours of me, I will drive. Because by the time I drive to the airport, get up at three in the morning, take off my belt and shoes, I would rather just drive. And what I loved about driving to Nashville is that was seven hours in the car there and seven hours back. And that means I had 14 hours to listen to podcasts. And I don't get to listen to as much podcasts as I used to. I work from home now. And I went from about a 40-minute commute to about, I don't know, five feet, something like that. And so here I was driving to Nashville especially, although trying to listen to a podcast in a plane can be challenging, listening in an airport can be challenging, but I was in a car, it was raining, and there were these things called trucks and other traffic on the freeway. And that has some sound. So, why do I bring this up? I want to examine bad audio. And the reason I do that is I realize there are people that are just getting into podcasting and they are not aware that, you know, not that there's a podcast police that's going to come knocking on your door. Like, hey, you had somebody on the show that uh, called in on a phone, give us your podcasting license. Yeah, that's not going to happen there are no real rules, but realized whether they are official standards or just a level of snobbery, the first thing that's going to make somebody tune out of your show, besides taking, I don't know, nine minutes to get to the topic, is going to be bad audio. So if you're brand new to podcasting, you're like, what do you mean bad audio? And so I spent the last day making bad audio and I'm now going to describe it, and we'll listen to it, and I'll go, this is what this sounds like. So you can understand so that if somebody tries to come on your show who is not an A-list celebrity and only has one option, that you can look at them and go, yeah, uh, I need you to up your game. Because here's the thing that really scratches my head. Look, I have a book. It's called Profit From Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn listeners into a livelihood. And if I wasn't a podcaster, but I wanted to get on podcasts to promote my book, the first thing I would do is spend less than $100 on a microphone. You can get a Samson Q2U for about 60 bucks and a Audio Technica ATR2100X that will cost you eh, a little under 100. And you're going to sound amazing. You will sound amazing with a, you know, $70 microphone. You don't need to spend 400 bucks. So if you're new to the show, this is one of my little mantras, it's not the tech, right? So you don't have to spend $400, but you do spend probably 100 and realize that if you then podcast for 10 years, that's $10 a year for your microphone. And if you only podcast for 10 months, that means you're probably going to be able to get your money back when you sell it on eBay. So, Let's start to listen to bad audio. And for me, the absolute worst, the I will only do this if that's the only option available and someone is putting a gun to my head, if someone is dialing into a phone number. So let's in this case, I started a Zoom call and on Zoom, if you have somebody that's like, I don't have a computer or a phone, all I have is a a phone. Right. Well, okay. you can dial into a Zoom call, but that is like, is that the only option available? Yes. Uh, Where they're at, they just had some sort of tornado and all the Internet is down, but they can dial in on a phone. Okay. if that's the only option available, that's the only thing we can do. I guess we'll have to take a phone call because it's going to sound like this. All right. So here I am. I'm talking on a cell phone. I dialed in via a phone line. And this is me going through the phone line, which was probably invented in what, the 1920s, 1930s. And this is me using, and this is just a typical PC laptop, the built-in microphone on your laptop. So I've got my laptop on my knees and... I am looking directly at the screen, and this is what I sound like. So this is your typical built-in laptop. And of course, my favorite microphone, a Blue Yeti used by someone who doesn't know how to use a Blue Yeti microphone. And this is the Blue Yeti. It is sitting on my desk. I'm sitting kind of right in front of it, about a foot and a half away. It's set to pick up in every direction, and if I breathe on my desk, yeah, ooh. We will, we will. okay. Uh. yeah, so it's, uh. but let's, now let's go to, what if I know how to use the Blue Yeti? Let's pause this. But first, let's pick up the plane going overhead. Oh, yeah. Nothing picks up planes like a Blue Yeti. All right, so now I've only got it set to pick up in front of me, and really what I want to do is I should be about here. And it's still picking up the airplane. I can hear that. Hence the joy of a Blue Yeti. But if I got up right up on top of it and didn't talk that loud because I got the gain up, um, it's not quite as bad, I guess you could say. There we go. Now I'm right up next to the Blue Yeti. I have it pointed across my mouth because I don't have a pop filter on right now. But it's not a horrible mic. It's just that most people don't use it this way. They use it this way. So you can see that really the problem in most of these is mic placement. It's not so much the hardware, it's that people aren't using it properly. And this one is, I'm dialed in on Zoom using Wi-Fi, but here again, I'm not using my microphone properly. I'm using an iPhone, but I have it set to speaker, and I have the phone, you know, how you, you hold the phone out in front of you for whatever reason, well, it produces this kind of result. So this is me on the Zoom app on my phone. I haven't dialed in. I'm using Wi-Fi to connect, but the phone is laying on my desk, and I'm talking into it. Now I'm going to move that from my desk, and now I'm holding it up to my ear so that the microphone is right next to my mouth. So you can hear the difference that mic placement makes. And again, so this is me on Zoom, on my iPhone, connecting over Wi-Fi. And how does that sound compared to wired earbuds on an iPhone on Wi-Fi? And this is me using earbuds, wired earbuds into my iPhone. And you gotta be careful, because like, if I do this a lot, I can end up having the microphone, in this case, go up against my beard. Um, that's not good. So you kind of want them close to your mouth, but you might wanna hold them out So what I've done is I've put my thumb here and I've got it again about three fingers away. Two more quick examples. This is the microphone on the, in this case, Logitech C920 camera. So you're using your camera's microphone. And in this case, the microphone is about two feet away. So this is me on my laptop. The laptop is on my knees. I'm facing the screen. And so the webcam is the logitech c920 and in just a second we're going to go through some tools to see if we can clean these up but i went out of my way because you know that's what our guests do that's what our interviewees do and they do things like i don't know let's be interviewed while i'm in the bathroom on a blue yeti picked up to record in every direction this is a blue yeti set to pick up in every direction it's about three feet from my mouth It's sitting on the bathroom counter. I'm in the bathroom. And so I thought I would do, while I'm talking, is turn on my electric toothbrush. Because, you know, that's what people do when they do interviews. So we've got some background noise. We've got lots of room reverb. And it's just horrible. And there's one thing that is missing in this recording is, as I mentioned, I was listening to these shows in a car. And so I went out, and I took my iPhone, and I just recorded myself driving around, and I have this set. For the record, I haven't done any equalization to these recordings. I've only adjusted the volume so that they're all about the same volume. I'm having them clock in about minus 6. Some of them go up to minus 3, and so I'm keeping that, but there is no EQ. There's no compression, Uh, and so we basically just have the same audio level, but this is where you can see reverb can make things sound like they're further away and if we add things like car noise it makes it very hard to hear so i'm going to take that horrible bathroom yeti and put it up with some car noise and so what i've done here is i looked at how loud my voice was in the car and saw the difference between the car noise so this is about as loud as my car would be and so now let's drop in the really bad bathroom yeti this is a blue yeti set to pick up in every direction it's about three feet from my mouth it's sitting on the bathroom counter i'm in the bathroom and so i thought i would do while i'm talking is turn on my electric toothbrush because you know that's what people do when they do interviews and while that is somewhat clear because the blue yeti isn't a horrible mic it just picks up everything when it's used wrong Let's put the car noise in with the camera microphone. So this is me on my laptop. The laptop is on my knees. I'm facing the screen. And so the webcam is the Logitech C920. All right. I think you get my point that bad audio can be distracting, can cause people to grab the volume knob. And so we're going to come back in just a second, and I'm going to show you some tools you can use and some of them for free to clean this up. All right, I realize that listening to the same clip over and over is about as exciting as watching grass grow. So we're going to make these clips short. But the bottom line on this is you will see we're getting the audio right first. So having that person adjust their microphone whatever, it's going to save you a lot of time editing. And if you're like, eh, I feel uncomfortable saying, oh, excuse me, Mr. Guest, because they are a guest on your show, but you want them to sound good. So just explain everything in the lens of I'm trying to make you sound good. And I think most people want to sound good. So we're going to hear this bathroom clip over and over and over. But uh, first off, I ran it through Auphonic. Now, Auphonic is meant to level out the sound and remove some hiss but we're talking about a lot of reverb so this is what it sounded like all right and this is me trying to make really bad audio this is a blue yeti and this is a tool called loudness.fm it's very similar to all and again not really meant to remove reverb but here's what it sounds like all right and this is me trying to make really bad audio this is a blue yeti So that seemed a little better. Here is a tool called RX-10, which has a massive amount of tools. And I use the D-Reverb tool. All right. And this is me trying to make really bad audio. This is a Blue Yeti. And I may have tried a little too hard on that one. Because when you go too far, things sound a little bit like they're underwater. This is Descript. It has nothing to do with their transcription service. It's called Studio Sound. And... This was at about 95%. All right, and this is me trying to make really bad audio. This is a Blue Yeti. So that got a lot of the reverb, but it's a little wonky. But this is the new tool that not everybody has heard about from Adobe called Adobe Enhance. And so what's weird about this where the script. I had the ability to kind of tweak it a bit. This, you upload it and you download it, and what you get is what you get. So here is Enhance from adobe all right and this is me trying to make really bad audio this is a blue yeti and i know what you're thinking dave while these clips sound better question mark um they still don't sound great and yeah we're kind of shooting for listenable and so let's pretend that maybe our guest didn't call from the bathroom using a blue yeti set to pick up everything and let's go back to something a little more realistic so this is me on the zoom app on my phone so this is me on the zoom app on my phone i haven't dialed in i'm using wi-fi to connect but the phone is laying on my desk and i'm talking into it now what's interesting is this is the clip where i move the map the phone up to my mouth and there's a little bit of a weird echo going on now. But when I get the phone closer to my mouth, that goes away, that mic placement makes. And again, so this is me on Zoom on my iPhone connecting over Wi-Fi. So I used Studio Sound in Descript and then ran it through an equalizer, which is a thing that adds bass and treble and things like that, called Shep's Omni Channel. And that made it, in my opinion, more listenable. Now, could I understand what was being said before? Yeah, but again, when you add the car noise or the outside noise when you're walking around the neighborhood, you, in some cases, have to really strain to hear that. And that's really the bottom line, because we're talking about something very subjective. Some people may go, I think the phone, the actual dialed-in phone, completely fine other people like myself are like no way other people might think the you know laptop mic was perfectly fine and we have to remember that on one hand it's not fair that we are battling CNN and NPR and all these other people but we are i mean that's the truth and so think about this as well cuz this happened to me one show was super soft and i cranked up my volume And then my GPS told me to turn right and about blew me out of the car. So you want to make sure your loudness is normal. And that's the easiest thing to do. Just get in the car, play somebody else's podcast, and then like NPR or whoever, and play yours. Now, when it comes to volume, let's say you've used a tool to level out. Like today, I didn't touch The files. All I did was try to make sure that they were all the exact same volume level. And then there is the measurement of the entire file. And that currently for most people is measured in this thing called LUFS, L-U-F-S. We're not, we don't care what that stands for. And basically in a nutshell, Apple wants you, if you're in stereo to be at minus 16 LUFS. This is one of those weird things again, where the smaller the number, the louder it is. Minus nineteen if you're mono, and then Spotify and YouTube want you at minus fourteen. And so for me, because I'm a rebel, I will export my show at minus fourteen. And if you could hold up your fingers like you're you're pinching a very small bug, yeah, it's it's that much louder. Yeah, minus fourteen, minus sixteen. So I kind of laugh at times when people are like, "Hey man, you're doing my okay." Easy, easy. It's really not that big. So. As we kind of wrap this up a little bit before we get to the question of the month, a couple things we need to keep in mind. What's the best way to get good audio by saying no to bad audio. And by that, I mean, finding a room that has carpet fine. And you don't need to go buy a thousand dollars worth of foam to stick on the walls, but carpet, avoid glass, have a microphone and learn proper mic technique. Point that thing at the corner of your mouth, about three fingers away, should get it in. And what you can do is when you test this, say what you're doing, say, Hey, this is me with the microphone about 12 o'clock. I've got a windscreen on yada, yada, yada. And then you do another one. You're like, this is me talking directly into the microphone. My mustache is actually touching the windscreen. And then you, you vote with your ears. What you want to avoid are popping peas. So when people say anything things like, please bring pizza pronto. Thank you. Uh, Bandrew. then, uh, yeah, you you don't want that to be blasting your head out. So the best way to get good audio is to avoid bad audio. And I'm here to tell you that if you have a guest, A, check to see if you can hear a previous version, because not only are we making sure that this person sounds good, but number two, you could be brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and have a horrible way of describing whatever it is, the knowledge you know. So we want to check out our guests first there, then if somebody shows up and they're like, yeah, I'm just using my built-in laptop, the way you get them to say, we might need to reschedule if you don't have another microphone, because here's what you're doing. Realize this is what you're doing. You're stopping them from robbing you of your time. Is your time important? Mine is. And when I've got to run it through 15 different processes and sure, they all only take about two or three minutes. You just sneezed away an hour because This moron who wants to be a podcast guest doesn't know they need to go spend 50 bucks on a microphone. That's not your problem. That's their problem. And there are tons of other people to interview. Tell that person, if you want to be on my show, you don't have to go spend $400 on a Shure SM7B. Go spend 60 bucks on a Samson Q2U. Get a windscreen, and I would love to have you back on my show. Now, that's not the way you explain it to them, though. Typically, people don't respond well when you call them a moron. So what do you do? You say, "Ooh, that's really the only microphone you have." Okay. Um cuz what I really want to do is man, I love your subject and you're so great in articulating this and bringing value. I know my audience is going to love this. But I need to be able to make sure we can understand you and that you sound phenomenal. I want to make sure that we protect your brand. And if you, you know, if you don't want to do this, this is fine. Uh you know, we'll just You know, uh, it's been great meeting you, but I just can't let you sound like that on my show. And if they say, well, nobody else has complained about it, say, well, I care about how you sound. I want you to protect your brand, sound the best, and I want my audience to share this with other people. And they're probably not if you sound all muffled like that. Just explain to them how they're going to benefit how you have their best interests in mind, and that you want to make this a phenomenal interview that everyone will share. I don't know that anybody's gonna argue with that. Do you? And if they do, again, there are four gazillion people that probably could talk on the same subject. Now, again, let's not go crazy. There's always that A-lister that wants to use their phone. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking somebody you found on Podmatch or podcastguest.com and then they show up expecting to use, you know, their built-in laptop and that for me is just not going to cut it and so the number one way to avoid wasting hours of time editing your podcast is to make sure that you start with a good signal. As the brilliant phrase goes, you can't polish a turd. But if for some reason you're kicking yourself going, ow, I let somebody give me a turd. Such a weird word. Here are some things you can do. And that is you can tweak the equalizer. So we're assuming we've somehow removed the reverb. And when somebody says equalizer, they really just mean tweaking the bass and the treble and everything in between. So I have a link to a vocal EQ cheat sheet out at com slash 872. And the bottom line is that the audio quality, when it surpasses the attention-grabbing potential of the content, well, that was a fancy way of saying that, but what it means is it's distracting. When your audio quality distracts you from what is being said, that's a problem. And I shoot for excellent, I land on listenable, and that's fine. We do need to remember, because I'm not telling you to go spend $4,000 on a bunch of plugins, What I'm saying is that let's first remember, this is probably going to come out through an earbud, a car speaker, a USB speaker. And so all, in some cases, some of this extra clarity does get lost. But if you can't hear the S's and the T's and it's just muddy, it doesn't really matter what speaker it is on. They're not going to be able to listen to it. And that is subjective. But I'm just here to tell you, that when somebody, if we go back to the beginning, they find your show for the first time, and it sounds like this because you know that's what people do when they do interviews. When it could have sounded like this because you know that's what people do when they do interviews. Which is the Adobe Enhanced feature that is free. I'll have a link in the show notes at SchoolOfPodcasting dot com slash eight seven two. But it wasn't just enhanced. I also ran it through some EQ settings and tweaked some of the upper end. So you don't have to live with bad audio. Do your best to avoid it even getting close to you. But if you do get it, you can make it better. It's just at the expense of your time. Ooh. Now that's a good question. My buddy Lewis Goodman over at lovethylawyer.com said, Hey, I would love to know is anyone paying? For a podcast subscription, we know there are all sorts of ways. There's Apple Podcasts, there's Supercast, there's Glow.fm. There's all sorts of different ways. Buzzsprout recently added a way that you can sell your podcast. And Lewis is like, is anybody listening to any of these? And so we're going to let Lewis go first.
1: Hi, Dave. Imagine my surprise this morning as I was just coming to the end of the School of Podcasting podcast and heard my name. This is Lewis Goodman of the Love Thy Lawyer podcast, which you can find at lovethylawyer.com. I'm honored that you're using my question for the question of the month, which is, what, if any, podcasts do you pay for and why? I pay for podcasts because I think they're something that really adds value to to my life. My podcast does not charge any money, and as a matter of fact, there's no way to pay me anything for my podcast. I do it as a hobby and as a way to supplement and promote my business, which is as a practicing attorney. But there are people who podcast for a living, and the ones that I pay for are these. Serious Trouble at www.com serious trouble dot show Josh Barrow a well credentialed journalist and Ken White a former federal prosecutor and practicing attorney discuss the high profile cases of the day and offer insight and analysis there's lots of people out there talking about the law myself included but these guys really know their stuff and are very knowledgeable and interesting. A subscription is about $60 a year, and for that you get all of their episodes, no commercials, and complete episodes. There's also some additional perks like newsletters and Substack benefits, but for me, I'm really only interested in the podcast, and it's great. Another one that I pay for is Making Sense. You can find that at www.samharris.org/podcasts. Sam Harris does the Making Sense podcast, and in my view he's one of the best thinkers of the day. I'm not sure how I encountered him, probably listening to him on some other podcast, but he's incredibly bright, low-key and thoughtful. And sometimes he covers things that don't even interest me. But when he's on with something that does interest me, I can't get enough. And if there's anyone who deserves my support in dollars, it's Sam Harris. I think the subscription is $100 a year. And the main benefit is you get the full shows. I'm also a skier and snowboarder. So I listen to two podcasts that involve skiing and snowboarding. One is called the Storm Skiing Podcast, which is at www.stormskiing.com. And the other is Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. And you can find that at realskiers, R-E-A-L-S-K-I-E-R-S.com. These are both niche podcasts. If you're interested, go take a look at them, but I do pay for them. I don't think there's any requirement that either of these are paid for, but I like supporting these guys. And, of course, I listen to the School of Podcasting at schoolofpodcasting.com. There's a lot of perks here, but the biggest perk is having access to you and your insight on everything podcasting. And I think that supporting the School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson is an excellent use of some of my money. Thanks, Dave. And thanks so much for using my question.
0: Thank you, Lewis. Thanks for the kind words and the support. Everything will be out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 872. Hi, Dave. I spoke to five friends who listen to dozens and dozens of free podcasts, but not one via paid subscription. The marketplace is flooded with amazing free content so not one of them has yet felt the urge or need to pay. This is Mark Vinette from the History of North America podcast, where I explore the wonderful and tragic stories of North America's inhabitants, heroes, villains, leaders, environment, and geography at markvinette.com. Mark, I appreciate the journalism that you put forth there, and uh, we'll see if anybody else has that
2: answer. Hello, Dave. My name is Zoe. I'm the host of Backlook Cinema, the podcast, where we take a look back at movies that I loved when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And you can find us at backlickcinema.com. So to answer the question, I would have to say no, I don't actually pay for any premium subscriptions to podcasts. And the reason is twofold. The first is that I feel like I'm already paying a lot to produce a podcast. I'm paying for the website. I'm paying for the web hosting. I'm paying for the domain name. So there's a lot going on there. And I actually haven't heard or experienced any podcast where I feel that there's a value to paying for a premium subscription, at least not at this time. Love the show. Have a great day.
0: Mm, That is some interesting insight right there.
3: Hi, Dave and School of Podcasting. I'm Dr. Sarah Clark from the Kind Leadership Challenge podcast. And yes, I pay for some podcasts. I support several podcasts who offer premium feeds through Patreon that include bonus and or ad-free episodes. I'm also a paid subscriber to several news outlets that offer ad-free and bonus podcasts to their subscribers in addition to other content. I pay for those podcasts for both selfish and selfless reasons. The selfish reason is that I like these creators and journalists and want more of their content. However, as a university librarian turned university library dean, I have some more noble or perhaps pretentious motivations. I believe open access to fact-based information and thoughtful analysis is a requirement for a healthy civilization. However, between paywalls and political craziness, it becomes harder for people to access the information that will make them better citizens and human beings and for content creators to supply that information without going broke or burning out. I'm in the privileged position to be able to financially support voices that I believe this world needs, so I happily throw a little money to the people and outlets I want to amplify. My show is the Kind Leadership Challenge, where I empower principled leaders to heal their organizations in 10 minutes a week. I don't have a paid content option, as I'm doing good to just get out my free show every week between the day job, coaching my fellow educational and library leaders on evenings and weekends, and, you know, having a life. That said, if my little side gig grows into something more sustainable, maybe a paid option would make more sense. It would be cool to provide some extra value as well as an opportunity for my listeners to support a voice they find useful. Thanks for sharing this question, Dave.
0: Thank you so much. Now, one of the key words here is value. You support people who deliver value. And my knee jerk reaction was I don't, I haven't bought any subscriptions, but then it dawned on me I send money to Jen Briney over at Congressional Dish. This is a person that reads the bills that go through Congress and then describes what's in them and gives you. Links to the PDF where you can see exactly what she's talking about. It's information that really really should be on the mainstream news, but it's not because, you know, Courtney Kardashian wore a red dress. But then it dawned on me, wait a minute. Value for value. this is something that's part of the Podcasting 2.0 initiative. It's just one piece, but it's the piece that gets talked a lot about because it deals with money. And this is where you can scre- stream cryptocurrency and I've given over, and I don't know what the time frame is here over $120 in cryptocurrency to shows like the no agenda show, which also tears down the media deconstructs it so that you can kind of see, Oh, you know what that red solo cup thing they mentioned every year on the news. Yeah. That's a commercial uh, podcasting 2.0 pod news, weekly review, the new media show podcast, pontifications, podcast junkies, Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts about podcasting. Uh, Buzzcast, the uh, Audacity to Podcast, Build a Big Podcast, Pod News Daily, the Podcast Report, the Rock and Roll Geek Show, uh, Awaken with J.P. Sears show. I don't remember listening to that, but apparently I did enough to send him 300 Satoshis. And if you're like, wait, excuse me? A Satoshi, in the same way that a penny is a very small amount of a dollar, here in the U.S., a Satoshi is one one millionth of a Bitcoin. And I realize when we say Bitcoin, a lot of you scream and run away, but it's really not that scary. And it's becoming easier and easier. It's not easy yet to set yourself up to stream, but it's not hard. The biggest problem is, in some cases, banks get a little nervous when you start buying cryptocurrency. And in this case, we're just talking about Bitcoin Bitcoin. And it's funny that this came up because uh, an episode coming out this Wednesday of the future of podcasting, and that is a new show that I do with my buddy, Daniel J. Lewis. You might remember him from the Audacity to Podcast. He's also the guy behind my podcast reviews and the social subscribe and follow plug-in. He's a big, giant nerd, and uh, I love him to death. He's a great guy. And uh, so I had decided to rebrand A show that I originally called Leading the Bleeding, which is a horrible name, by the way. And uh, I rebranded it Future of Podcasting. And Daniel said, Hey, are you looking for a co host? And I was like, Yes, because that was a show I really don't have enough time to do another show. So by having a co host, we kind of split some of the duties. You can find that at futureofpodcasting.net. And there's a YouTube video right there that shows you how easy it is to set up your show to receive some streaming. Uh, Crypto in this case, Bitcoin. And it's, you know, once you get it, then you just transfer it to, you know, an app or something of that nature. And you, if you want to convert it to, for lack of a better phrase, real money, you know, the stuff that you know. And what's interesting is I looked into this and if I had done this two years ago, the $2 that I had received in cryptocurrency would be worth $7 today. So as much as, you can see, that's the other thing, I did. I just did a presentation at Podcast Movement and I explained how you can see how much people are giving you and that's the fun part because the person that just lost their job may not be streaming anything to you, but the person that's an oil executive in Texas might think $50 is nothing because there are these things called boosts. In fact, you'll hear me on this show play the Hey, this is a friendly reminder to boost, and people have boosted me on the episode about is your podcast missing out by not having a newsletter? Uh, the covert nerd sent me five thousand satoshis. Now, I know you're probably going to go to some website and go, Dave, do you know that's a dollar thirty nine? It's a dollar thirty nine today. And what if I could get a bunch of people to actually send me a dollar thirty nine for every episode? That adds up. And the other beautiful thing about this particular system versus something like Patreon or whatever, you think about it, Patreon is between you and your listener. This is directly to the listener. So if somebody goes, hey, you said booger, I don't like that word, I'm going to get you canceled, and they go to Patreon, and they go out with their pitchforks, and they've got their torches, and anti-booger, anti, anti you know, they're going crazy, you can't do that. There's nobody between you and your listener. And if they want to send you, you know, 10,000 Satoshis, they can do that. That's kind of the part that the old hippie in me kind of likes, Attica, Attica. I'm like, haha, you can't cancel me now. So that is, be honest now. This is, if you are new to the show, I don't sugarcoat stuff. This technology right now, I'm going to say is about two to five years, five would be worst case scenario. It's moving along much quicker than it was. But it's still not quite ready for a person I affectionately refer to as Aunt Cheryl. I don't think Aunt Cheryl is ready to just take her credit card out and fill up a wallet in something like Podverse, which is a really cool app, by the way. Um, not my favorite. My favorite is Castomatic. Uh, if you want to use. And if you're on an iOS, that's the bad news about cast It's only for iPhones. But uh, Pocket Cast is uh, joined into the fray. And you can find all these apps if you want to check them out at podcastapps.com. But that is uh, another way that it's not really a subscription because a subscription is based on the price that the podcaster sets. The value for value is like, look, if you want to pay me $20 a month, if you want to pay me $200 a month, Adam Curry had somebody donate $5,000. Yeah, and he actually has a plan where if you donate $1,000, you become a Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. And they have people donate $1,000 every episode. Why? Because they solve a problem. What is that problem? The problem is I don't know what to believe when I watch the news. So they deconstruct it. And it's interesting because, especially with politicians, they will say, well, topic A is absolutely kaka poo poo And then they'll play a clip from them from like eight months ago where they go... Topic A is the best thing we should move forward with this and you're like yeah they because you know, I could go on a whole you know rant on politicians but they think we're stupid and many times we are unless you have a podcast who is acting like a journalist and saying hey does anybody remember this when they said this cuz they just said that that is something that I can't get any place else they do their best to not be biased they poke fun of both sides of the aisle when it comes to politics, but it's not just a politics show, you know, they're explaining, uh, things. And so did, uh, Jen Briney, Jen Briney did a whole episode on In I live in Ohio. I'm like about an hour from a really, really, really bad train wreck, a train derailment that sent all sorts of really bad chemicals into the air. And it just, it just screams of corruption and bad choices And the mainstream media, and I said this probably three years ago, I think podcasts can beat mainstream media at their own game because we don't have to worry, especially with value for value. We don't have to worry about upsetting sponsors or things like that. As long as you have an RSS feed, you can have your audience. And I am going on a tangent. I'm going to stop it there. But thank you, Louis, for the question. As we are talking a little bit about subscription podcast, I do want to give you the bad news. I hate to give you bad news, but I do like to keep you informed so you can make good choices. And that is when I was researching my book, Profit From Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Your Listeners into a Livelihood, the people that were doing this strategy, if they were really good, again, delivering value, were getting 3% of their audience to sign up. I know uh, Adam Curry just said on the No Agenda show that about 4% of his audience will actually donate in that whole nine yards. So it is it is another form, another stream of income, but it's one that you have to have a huge audience if you want to make a living from it. And that's why in my book, I say, don't just rely on just ads or just crowdfunding or just value for value, like use them all. And you know, when you get all those streams added together, it starts to add up. If you want to talk more about that, well, you do know you can get unlimited one-on-one consulting at the School of Podcasting. I would love to help you either launch your podcast, grow your podcast, monetize it, whatever you need. Come on over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, where you'll save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And a course... That comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Let's see what we can do together. Again, that address, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Come find me at, ooh, did I just say come find me? That's horrible. That means I'm lost.